Hello, I'm Ros Chandler from Fieldgate Flowers. You are listening to the Cut Flower Podcast. This is for you if you want to learn more about growing your own cut flowers. We'll cover loads of subjects, things like citing a patch, your soil, manure and compost, seeds and germination, perennials and biennials, foliage and so much more. We'll have some exciting guests along the way. Thank you very much for listening. Hello everyone and today we're going to be talking all about dahlias and I have a brilliant guest with us today who's over on Instagram at Dahlia Farmerama and her name is Kim so if you want to go over and give her a little follow that would be great but today we'll be talking about dahlias. So Kim how did you get into dahlias? What's your background? What, what, did, what made you choose dahlias as a plant? Um, I don't think I chose dahlias as a plant. I think they chose me, uh, to be fair. In lockdown, like everybody else, I turned to my garden and um, started growing a variety of things. And I'd actually been given some dahlia tubers, didn't really know what they were. Um, Thought, okay, I'll give these a go. Bunged them in a pot and thought, oh, lovely. These are really nice. And they were the the little Figaro um, variety, which are really sweet. Um, But then I, I... started looking on the internet at different dahlia varieties and as you know there are so many varieties and just like a kid in a sweet shop I was like wow that's amazing that's amazing and then you see all the different varieties and I started ordering tubers left and right and uh, suddenly I had a field full of them (laughs) and the rest is history really. I think we were discussing, weren't we, that there's something like 54,000 varieties you know because apparently you can have 17 colours and lots of different forms of dahlias and about forms yeah like and so thousands so I think there's a dahlia for everybody is the answer to that one absolutely absolutely every shade every requirement every form um yeah and the combinations as well you know the, the 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 combinations are just endless just infinite really it's amazing so yeah really something for everyone I found that too so a couple of questions for you then. How do you plant them? Because we're getting to that time of year. We're getting to, um, this recording was done in the middle of May. We're getting to that time of year where it's warming up, the soil's quite warm and we're ready to put our tubers and we're also ready to yeah. put our seedlings out. What should we be doing with them now? Um, well, actually, I don't plant my tubers into the ground. I have a bit of a different method, a little bit controversial. Um, I use my tubers to create cuttings. And then once I've created my cuttings and they've rooted and I'm happy that they're going and they're going to be good, strong plants. Once I've got maybe uh, between five and ten cuttings from a tuber, I will throw the tuber away. So yeah. I know that's a little bit controversial, but that's what I do because I've, you know, if, if you raise them from cuttings, they are stronger. Um, and also because I grow for exhibition. So um, the blooms, it's a requirement that they are grown from cuttings rather than from tubers because they are a sort of a superior flower uh, yeah. if they grow tubers uh, from cuttings rather so um in about january february time i start my tubers in the house on the windowsills in the conservatory on the dining table on every surface so i even got some in the lounge on the floor my my poor husband puts up with that um and then they send the shoots up and then i take the shoots off grow them into you know root them grow them into cuttings, grow them on. And then this time of year is great. I mean, the forecast is looking actually quite 
safe now. I've been erring on the side of caution. They're still in either the greenhouses or the um, on my windowsills and in the conservatory. Uh, but in the next, certainly in the next 10 days, I'll be planting them out. Um, and then the tubers, what I will do when I say I throw them away, I give them to my friends. You know, they're, 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 um, they get, yeah, they get tuber gifts from me and they still go on to produce, you know, beautiful blooms. So everyone's happy, really. We're a bit greedy here. We grow from seed. So like the white shades and the smaller varieties were going from seed. Wouldn't grow anything other than that, really. We grow mm. from cuttings. So I took maybe, I don't know, two, three hundred cuttings, I would think. Of the ones we took out last autumn and we wanted to propagate from, I took cuttings from. The rest I left in the soil. So I cover all my bases, really. I leave mm. some in the soil. I pick some up. I do some cuttings. I grow from some from seeds. And I also buy some new tubers every year. Yeah. So I'm kind of doing it all um, because mine's not exhibition wise. But, yeah, it's sort of doing all of that. Mm. So, yeah, I really I was worried about the seedlings and when to put them out, you know, sort of. Yeah, still very so tender. they are still very tender. And, you know, they need to be ready with your fleece to cover them up this time of the year. But once we get to the end of May, they should be all right. So I'll be planting mine out. Like I said, in about 10 days, I'll check the forecast. And if it looks good for the week ahead, no frosts, they're going out. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, they'll go into my allotment, my garden, my side garden, my friend's garden, my mum's garden. I'm using every available space, <laughs> growing space that's available to me. And um, yeah, and then it's just a matter of looking after them and just uh, until they establish. They only really take a couple of weeks. Once they're in the ground, they really start to grow. They They like to be outside and, and growing definitely rather than inside in a polytunnel or a greenhouse agreed so when do you pinch yours out so i pinch mine out when i get two pairs of true leaves um and uh, sorry when i've had two pairs of true leaves and then the growth above that i let that grow to maybe six inches above and then once that's all looking really good and really strong i then take it down to the two pairs of true leaves that's when I pinch out. And it's really, it seems really drastic because, you know, you're, you're, I end up with this huge bucket full of, um, you know, the pinch outs, that I've, you know, to go on the compost. And I think, oh my goodness, you know, I've halved the size of them, more yeah. than the size of them. And it feels really drastic. It feels like a terrible thing to do. And, um, but you have to just be brave and go for it and, and just recognize that it increases the branching of the plant, it increases yeah. the number of blooms. Yeah. Okay, what about um, slugs, which is your, which for me is the biggest issue. It is. Um, how are you, how are you looking at slugs? How are you relating to slugs? So last year I bought some slug wall pellets, which yeah. I tried and I've got to say they weren't very successful at all. Um, I don't, didn't find a difference between the ones that I had treated with slug um slug wool pellets not slug pellets because uh, I don't advocate using any kind of chemicals in the garden whatsoever I'm completely organic um, so this year what I'm doing is I'm going out by torchlight um, and I'm picking off the slugs by hand and actually I've found so far you know if I do two rounds a night I perhaps go out about nine o'clock when it's just sort of dusk um, and I go out and I pick off maybe sort of um, five or ten from the greenhouse do a round of the garden, come in, and then, then about 10 o'clock, go out and do it again, pick them off again. And actually, I've had very, very little slug damage. That seems to be controlling the problem at the moment. So 
Yeah, I've agreed to do a trial this year. So I'm going to try wool around four, four of the same species in the yeah. same area. I'm going to try wool around one, sluggo around another, an organic. I'm going mm. to try copper around copper another. Yeah. And I'm going to try nematodes around another. And I'm oh. going to see, as long as they're spaced enough apart and the trial can be roughly controlled, that's what I'm going yeah. to try. And I'll report back on what's happened. But yeah. Do you, I've, I've read recently that alpaca wool is particularly yes. good, more so than the sheep's wool, in, as being a repellent um, to slugs. So that I think that's quite interesting. So it would be interesting if you had a, it had another... Alpaca. Alpaca. Yeah. What if I get, get yeah, some of that alpaca wool? The sheep at sheep's wool and the alpaca wool that would I'd be very interested to see how you get on with that, that yeah. yeah that was that's what I've decided to do so obviously there's a, I think there's a trend in dahlia colors and I think having doing lots of brides and so on this year we're seeing a color pinks and whites and pastels will always be there but we're moving into brights we're moving into happy colors we're moving into deep pinks yellows oranges what what do you see what would you say your top five dahlias are um, my absolute must growers are Mary's Jomanda, which is a really beautiful um, pink, um, sort, of a, a sort of a, it's not quite dusky, but it's it's not bright either. It's just a really lovely rosy pink um, da- ball dahlia, which is absolutely gorgeous. So that's a must have. Um, I would also go with, uh, I'm growing new this year, I'm growing Copper Boy which is a gorgeous um, orangey russet, almost two-tone, almost orange and brown. It looks really, it's a, similar to brown sugar, if you're familiar with that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another one that I'm growing new this year is Rycroft Blackberry. And I've got this from Halls of Hedden, which I think is, um, I'm very excited about it. It's new to them this year and I didn't see it last year. And it's just it's not it's not a bright, but it's not a pastel either. It's hard to describe. You'll have to Google it. Google Rycroft Blackberry and you'll be enamoured. <laughs> right. I'm not buying any more. <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've gone for Lin, lots of Linda's Baby this year because of the colour. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. And yeah. we took over a sort of a plot of land which used to be an allotment. And there was an old man, older man, he's probably in his early 90s now, who grew dahlias there for about 40 years. And his wow. were really orange. I couldn't say what they were, but his were oranges and yellows and brights and big mm. saucer-like dahlias. So I've gone for a real mix. So goodness knows what I'm going to end up with. It's oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's fabulous. Very exciting, isn't it, when you don't really quite know what you're going to get. So no, no idea. Lovely surprises. <laughs> <laughs> what about one of the biggest questions I get asked is about support of dahlias. Right. Um, and we've tried different types of things. We've used fencing, we've tried P-netting, we've tried Harris fencing and stock fencing. There's big enough, obviously, the dahlia to get through. What's your advice on support of dahlias? Well, last year I used canes yeah. uh, for support. I used the really tall canes and um, they did the job fantastically. I mean, in terms of growing for exhibition, they were fantastic. The site looked downright ugly. Um, I'll be honest, which is a bit disappointing because my photos never really looked that great um, because of these all these canes. Um, But uh, certainly canes do the job if you're just looking for support. But if you're looking for beauty as well, I mean, this year I'm going to try some pea netting, um, which I know you can still see, but it's not as, uh, you know, at least the, the, the stems have a chance to come up through and the blooms come up through the netting. 
Um, but I was also talking to someone recently who advised me, she's been growing dahlias for a long time, and she advised me to plant them much closer together because I'd spaced mine at 50 yes, centimetres yeah. apart. And she said, no, 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 you can even get them at 30, put them in at 30 centimetres apart and they will support each other. And I was like, are you serious? And I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to do at least half of my piece of land, which which has just been packed them in. And also because I'm greedy, I can fit more in. Yeah, so we do ours at 30. Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. So I've heard that that's the ideal spacing. Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah. So any other bits of hints and tips on dahlias? So we've done support and propagation and the best one and slugs, which is the biggest issue. And um, yeah, any other little hints and tips on dahlias or just have a go? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Get out there, have a go. Google some. Um, well, that's quite dangerous because you'll probably end up buying <laughs> lots of them. But um, yeah, just see what takes your fancy and just get a, a variety, really. And you'll very quickly you'll very quickly see which ones you are drawn to, you know, whether you're drawn to, I would, I would say if be wary of the dinner plate dahlias, um, because although they're absolutely gorgeous and a joy, the heads are very heavy and you need to be prepared to tie the heads in individually to a cane. If you are hoping, you know, to do, if you, if you don't want the wind, if we, you know, we have a couple of windy days, they'll just, they won't they won't stand it so um i wouldn't say avoid dinner plate dahlias because we all know the joy that you know cafe au lait gives us and how fantastic they look but just be wary and be prepared that they're going to be a little bit extra work so if you want something that's less work i would go for something like the ones that are the open varieties that are fantastic for pollinators so for yeah. example this year i'm going to be growing star wars and tricolor and also collarettes like night butterfly and fashion manga which are absolutely fabulous for the um the bees because of their open form and um yeah i think that they will do well in pots as well i'm going to be growing in pots this year so um, I would say, you know, if you're looking for, for the plants that don't need as much support and aren't as heavy with their blooms, but prolific with their blooms, go for the ones that are suitable for pots. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Because lots of people grow in pots and I would say that, be really careful. Because if you're going mm. for a really tall variety and it needs a lot of space, then unless you've got the most enormous container in the world, this isn't really going to work. And, and dahlias like being outside and they like space yeah. and they like air and all those things. They do. And they're very hungry. So yeah, if so you be prepared growing, for that. Yeah, feed, feed, feed. Get the tomer right out and feed them regularly. Yeah, definitely. Great. Lovely. Thank you very much. So if our listeners want to follow you at Dahlia Farmerama, and I will put it in the show notes so that people can go straight to it, that will be great. So I'd like to thank you, Kim, the wonderful Kim, for coming over and giving us your Dahlia advice. And good luck this year. Thank you very um, with much. Growing an exhibition, you must be mad. And uh, <laughs> I, <am>. <laughs> I look forward to seeing your blooms over on your Instagram account. Thanks ever so much. Yeah, give me a follow on on at Dahlia Farmerama. Um, lots of lots of Dahlia advice, lots of growing tips, and uh, lots of beautiful pictures to uh, to tempt you to to grow these beautiful flowers. Brilliant. Thank you very much, Kim. My pleasure. Thank you very much, Ros. Great talking to you. Thank you for listening. This has been the Cut Flower Podcast. 
please do join us on our Facebook group, The Cut Flower Collective, for lots more hints and tips. Thank you.